and what is right. Certain questions begin to arise in our hearts and minds. Questions like, What do I know to be most deeply true? What do I love? And have I loved well? Who do I believe myself to be? And what have I placed on the center of the altar of my life? Where do I belong? What will people find in the ashes of my incarnation when it is over? How shall I live my life knowing that I will die? And what is my gift to the family of the earth? These deep questions arise easily and naturally within us whenever we are wakened up by some moment that grabs our attention in a way that perhaps no moment has grabbed our attention before. Sadly, these moments for us are often moments of great suffering because suffering seems to galvanize our awareness in a way that other human experiences sometimes do not. I have been blessed in my lifetime to work with people who have been very close in their lives to the membrane of great sorrow. I have worked with people who are alcoholic, drug addicts, people with cancer, HIV and AIDS. I've worked in the inner city in housing projects with people who are excruciatingly poor. I've worked in South America in the barrios of Lima, Peru with the Mary Knoll missioners. I've been blessed to sit with people for whom sorrow has been a steady diet in their life. And I've done this not because I am morbid, or at least I would like to think that I have not done this because I'm morbid, but rather because there is something in sorrow that breaks us open and helps us remember who we are. It is an enzyme that invites us to look more carefully and listen more deeply to the exquisite depth and breadth of our spirit and to open our eyes to the rich and fertile grace that sits right next to whatever sorrow we're given. Now, people ask me often when I travel and when they come to me to massage the wounds that they carry, is the only way that we can answer these questions through suffering? Are there other ways, they wonder, as I do sometimes, for us to open our hearts and our minds and our spirits without having to wait for a terminal diagnosis to wake us up? In these tapes, I would like to invite us all to imagine that by massaging these questions on a daily basis, that we can begin to hear the truth of them in our bodies and in our hearts and in our spirits without having to wait to be pressed up against the membrane of life and death. But rather, we can begin to deepen and enrich our lives in this very moment by using some of these practices as a circle of contemplation. These contemplations are invitations to watch, to listen, to imagine, to taste the truth of who you are in a gentle way, 
without having to learn only through the matrix of great suffering. Interestingly, the word contemplation comes from the Latin con template. Template, of course, being the model of heaven. So to sit with a model of heaven, or in the Buddhist sense, to sit with the Dharma, or the truth of how things are, is the practice of contemplation. To sit in the kingdom of God and feel the breeze of the Spirit, to feel the fragrance of the divine. To sit not with any intention of great accomplishment, but rather to run our hands across the texture of our spirit, and by tracing the shape of it, come to remember our true nature. There's an old German folk tale.